Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, proud podcaster, homeschooler on summer break, except for when I don't feel like being on summer break. I got some pictures to show that we're kind of on breakish, but I got this hilarious one of Christian and he is having a time with this math and I just, I just love it. Anyway, I digress. Anyway, World Changers, we are continuing on the Milestone series. And I want you guys to know, if you have not tuned in to the last episode, you need to tune in. I'm giving out great information, a wealth of information, everything that you need to know to make sure that your sugar is doing exactly what they should be doing during this time, as well as not just for your sugar, but other sugars around you. So you can be that voice and you can be that tool to help others around you get tooled up. This information ain't just for us. There's no secret that I'm here. So let's get this word out and let's get the information out. If you haven't done so already, check out my YouTube page. Check out my webpage. Um, pretty soon, we're going to have everything linked to my actual website, and that is at iHeartSpeechTherapy.com. So you'll be able to just go to that site, and you'll be able to click on a link to get to the podcast, whether you want to listen to it via audio, or if you want to watch me on YouTube, or if you want to catch um, some of my blogs that I post. I post once a week. And any upcoming information and maybe some events that I will be at while we are sheltering in place. So I'll be virtually hanging out with other people, y'all. But make sure to get plugged in, get tooled up, like it, share it. And let's just, again, get the word out. So last week we covered the age ranges of 24 to 30 months. And let me tell you, now that you're paying attention, do you need some night-night? Is your brain like on... (sighs) Were you thinking to yourself like, oh my gosh, I'm getting old, I'm tired because I can't keep up, only to find out that it was nothing that you did. It was literally you trying to keep up with your little sugar. And so now you're having to tune into all of these moving parts around you while your little sugar is blossoming into a person. It is the sweetest little thing to see during this time. But I'm telling you, now's the time to get like your vitamin boosters and your extra smoothie and get your extra boost in your smoothie and start building up on those omega-3s because you're gonna need all the brain power you can get during this uh, developmental time. So key, so crucial because our sugars are just going boom. They are blowing up and I don't want you to miss any of that good stuff. And I don't want you to take this stuff for granted because it only happens once and nobody wants to miss that. It's fun. So let's get right down into it, world changers. So three different areas that we look at from a speech and language standpoint of development for our sugars between the ages of 30 to 36 months. We are looking at things from receptive language What do they understand? Do they understand the words that we're telling them? Are they picking up on things that's going on in their environment, processing it and responding to it? Expressive language, are they able to use what they know and talk to you, their vocabulary? Now you should start seeing that turn into sentences. And then the other part that we look at is the social development, that pragmatic piece crucial and key because this is what helps our sugars get along with within the world around them and get through life and all of those other good things. And just like, again, the doctor's office, they have their checklist because they want to make sure that your sugar is growing and they're doing the things that they need to do physically. 
And on the other hand, we want to make sure that that person, that whole person is developing so they can get through life. So we're looking at two very important things, but much different checklists. But now doctors are starting to get a little bit more savvy and they're starting to ask some speech and language questions because guess what? They want you guys to be tooled up too. But I'm here to give you that in-depth information that you might not be able to get during that five or 10 minute office visit with your doctor. And I'm also getting you tooled up so you'll know who to reach out to and who to get support from and, and just where to go. Because you know what? I don't want you to be an island. I don't want you to feel like, what should my child be doing? And I also don't want you to feel like you have to read a 500 page book to get this information when I can give it to you in 30 or 40 minutes on a good day, 30, but I'm feeling a little feisty today. So it might be like 40. We'll see. You can always speed me up, right? <laughs> anyway, let's get right into it, y'all. So receptively, this is what we're expecting from our sugars. Again, receptive language. Say it with me, y'all understanding language. What does my sugar understand? Let's say it in unison again. Understanding language. What my sugar understands. I want you to embody this and embrace this because this tells you if they're paying attention, if they're able to focus, and if they're able to learn. That receptive language piece is, oh my gosh, key. Now, is it like the biggest key? They're all the biggest keys, but this one is really important because this sets our foundation for everything that's to come. Because again, remember, you have to understand language before you're able to use language, which means you have to be paying attention to what's going on around you. And right now, oh my gosh, right now, because so many things are happening, we wanna make sure that our sugars are attending, they're focusing, they're watching out for the world around them. Do you know that during this time, during this time in your sugar's life, there will be no other time that they learn as much information as they are learning right now during this age and stage. And so that's why I want you to be told up world changer and have that foundation and know what to look for and know how to kind of tweak things as needed. So we expect our sugars to follow two step and three step unrelated commands, totally different. Now, I know you've heard me saying, if you've listened to the last episodes, one step, and then we went to two steps. And at first they were familiar things, things that were going on in their environment. And then it got a little bit more complex because you started adding, you know, an extra step to it. Now we're looking at two to three things that may not be related. Go get your shoes, go to the car, sit down in your seat. You might even say buckle up. You might add a fourth uh, a fourth command in there depending on how much your sugar understands. And how do you know if they're understanding what you're asking them to do? Because they do it. Because they're able to follow through. Even if you have to say it to them a second time or even if they give like some kind of verbal confirmation of what you're asking of them, you will know if they're able to follow through with these things, if they're able to carry out what you said to do without missing any steps. Will you have to give them some reinforcements along the way? Sometimes, especially when it's new. But don't fret. If you feel like, hey, my sugar is not necessarily following through, help them. Help them follow through. Or if you feel like they understand me, but they're not doing it, still help them. Help them follow through. How do we do that? We grab their hand, we do hand over hand, and we get them to follow through with what we ask them to do. Even if we're busy, we can never be too busy for this because again, this following direction and following commands builds up those pre-academic skills 
builds up those pre-work skills when they go off and become adults and have to follow directions at work. When they're in class and their teacher asks them to do things. And so we want to make sure that they are able to follow what it is that we're saying in the order that we're saying it when we say it, not 50 times. Now, if you're a boss or you're in some kind of position of authority, you know how much you don't like to have to say the same thing over and over and over again and still get no results. Same thing holds true with your little sugar during this time. And world changers, it does not help if you get louder because (laughs) getting louder solves nothing. Getting louder just causes undue stress. You should be able to use this with a normal tone. All right. Next, we expect our sugars to be able to identify parts of an object. What do you mean? Simple. So if I had like a little toy car, right? And there's a window on the car. Where's the window? Oh man, there's the tires and the door and the steering wheel and the radio and all of the components that make up a car. You might be able to do this with a house as well. What are some components that make up the house? Oh, let's go in the door. And you should see them open up the door, right? Walk inside, open the window. Okay, let's close the window and go up the stairs. Those are components of a house, right? Window, stairs, door. All right, everybody, let's go to the kitchen and grab a snack. You should see them go into the kitchen and grabbing a snack. Even if it's with their playhouse, you should see them be able to identify and carry these things out and show some kind of understanding for things that are familiar. Now, world changers, be honest. And be serious. Make sure that you are showing them things that are familiar. Don't try to quiz them on something that they've never seen and don't know anything about. Now, if they surprise you and they show you the parts of the rocket because maybe they've been secretly looking at a rocket book or watching Nova or Discovery or something like that, kudos. That's fine. But make sure that they are identifying things and you're kind of challenging them in that way with stuff that they've seen on a regular basis. That's fair, right? We got to be fair with the sugars. Another thing that you'll see, and this relates to understanding parts of an object, is also that curiosity, that spark of how and why things work. And so if you have like a mechanical family member in the home or somebody who likes to build, you might see them showing some interest in that. Or if you're a cook, they might show some interest in that. Or if you like gardening or whatever it is that you are interested in, they're going to be interested in the tools and the things that go along with that because they're trying to, again, understand the world around them. And remember, life has been one big observation. And so now they can put like those thoughts into words and they can ask, but they can also understand like what it is that makes up these parts. So if you find that they're more interested in the things that are around them, that's why, because they've been taking it in and now they can comment on it. And although this is a receptive language thing, like showing an interest in it because they're looking, they're observing, and maybe you see them doing some some stuff associated with that. We want to make sure that they are showing some interest in things that are outside of them and stuff that is directly related to them. I hope that makes sense. We also expect them to respond to some WH questions. What are you doing? That's an open-ended question. Um, who's over there playing? Who are you playing with? And so we'll see and hear them um, taking in that information because they understand you. Again, this is the understanding piece, right? They understand you and they provide you a response. 
So it's not only just what they understand, it's also how they react to you and the response that they give to you. Are they responding on topic? Are they responding about something that's completely unrelated? We want to make sure that they're able to take in that information and respond directly to you. Now, there are times that our sugars are being extremely funny and maybe they don't want to talk about what you're talking about and they'll deflect to something else that's totally different. But we want to see them responding appropriately more often than not and not answering something completely unrelated and off topic. And if you notice that your sugar is doing that when you're asking them a question, then just make sure to reinforce, ask the same question again, sugar, I know you heard me. What are you doing? Show me, tell me. And they'll, they'll, they'll do it eventually, especially if they know that you're not going to let up. My son is good for that. He will pretend like he doesn't hear us if he doesn't feel like talking about what we're talking about and he'll talk about something else. He understands everything. And he just feels like sometimes he doesn't want to be part of that conversation, but I'm from the school of you live in a place where the parents are the dictators and it's not necessarily always a democracy, especially if I'm asking you a question I want to answer. So, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. Another thing that we expect them to do is answer yes and no questions correctly. Um, now, remember, if you listen to 24 to 30 months, you know, I was telling you that most of those responses were going to be nope, nada, no, no. No, 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 no. But now they've got that stuff organized and they know how to answer you with a no or with a yes. And the no is still usually pretty like obnoxious. <laughs> and the yes is usually pretty kind unless they're feeling like they're a little bit feisty too. And they might give you a feisty little yes or a, oof, a real feisty no. But we expect them between 30 and 36 months to now have that all sorted out and answering that the right way. If you notice that they're not and you see them doing this, but it really is a this, then you can tell them, did you really mean yes, sweetheart? And just, and help them out, help them through it. Because remember, while they're having this boom, they're still trying to make sense of things and they're still trying to understand things that they may not have understood before, or they may still confuse some of those concepts. And that's where we as world changers have to pay close attention to what it is that they're showing us and make sure that we are giving the appropriate response to help them through that moment. And in return, they'll feel really good about that relationship with you because again, they'll see you as that support system who helped them through. We'll also expect them to know at least five action words. Now, 24 to 30 months, they were starting to kind of show some understanding. And remember, at least five action words. So they may have way more than that. Five is just baseline. That's basic. Five action words. Think about it. You know, we're eating. We're drinking. We're playing. We're uh, going. We're sleeping. Those are all actions. And these are things that are extremely familiar to their environment. You might even hear them say something about we're running, we're going, we're jumping, we're doing. It's an action. It's something that's taking place. And because we're always talking about the things that we're doing in our environment, they should be able to now understand that, okay, we're going to the store. You should start seeing them get a coat and get ready to go unless it's hot outside or some shoes or something associated with that. Okay, 
we're playing with the dolls. We should see them then going towards the dolls or going towards the toys in that vicinity and grabbing the things that matter. Okay, we're hop, 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 hoppy. And you'll see their little bodies jump up and down and they're all excited and emphatic and it's a wonderful thing. But this is what we expect them to do. Again, at minimum, at least five action words. It's perfectly okay if they know more, if they know a little bit less, start talking to them more and not just talking to them, but modeling for them. Because at this age too, their words are just as important as your words. And so if we over talk and if we're always leading the conversation, then it takes out the opportunity for our sugars to be able to communicate and organize their thoughts and ideas as well. And the same holds true for older siblings, making sure that they're not um, talking for them and that your sugar is answering for him or herself and able to advocate for him or herself or describe for him or herself. And so if they're not showing a whole lot of understanding around actions, there's no better teacher than doing it. We're rolling the ball. And we can say that as we roll the ball back and forth. We're bouncing the ball. We're eating. We're doing. We can we can model those things and talk about those things without making it like a quiz or making it feel like the pressure is always on for them to perform in the moment when you ask them for this information. The best indicator that they know something is when you say it, they do it. And not just like you're giving them that direct question, but again, it's conversational. Okay, we're going to go do some eating. Are they going to the kitchen? Do you kind of see them doing like the happy food dance? What do you observe? What do you see them doing during this time? Because they're willing to show you if you pay attention. The last thing that we expect our sugars to do during this time is understand at least, understand at least 900 words. And again, we talked about this and we've been talking about this progression and do not look at me crazy when I say they should understand 900 words because yes, I know no one takes a language sample and decides how many words our sugar understands, but you will know if you're able to give your sugar more complex things. Um, if you're talking to them in more sentences, if you feel like you're still only kind of using like mother ease or baby ease, or you're only using one to two words with them, then chances are we're either a not necessarily growing the way that we want to grow or B it's time for you as the parent to kind of make that shift in how you're communicating with our sugars. And we're all guilty of it. Like I have to catch myself now with Christian because he's ooh, seven and a half. And he's, he's my baby, but he's not the baby anymore. And so I even have to watch myself how I talk to him because I want him to be a little baby, but he's done with that. He don't want nothing to do with that anymore. He's over me. And so there's, there's a certain way I have to talk to him. Now I got to talk to him like he's a big boy now. And, and he only wants to be the baby when he doesn't want to be in trouble. But then I know that's manipulation <laughs> and I gotta, I gotta, you know, be the, the big girl and say, nope, you're not the cute baby right now. You are going to be disciplined and we're going to deal appropriately based on whatever happened. But, you know, just make sure, be mindful how you're communicating with them. And if they've moved on from like the motheries and, and they don't feel like, you know, they need you to talk to them like this all the time or for them to be the little sugar, just change it. But you know, we naturally actually change the way that we talk based on the age in most cases and based on the cognition level. And if you think about it, when you're talking to a baby, you're definitely doing a whole lot more of this and you're so cutesy, we'll see. There's a lot less words in that, right? 
It's more of a nursery rhymey, singy songy type of situation. But as the little baby gets older, then you're starting to use more of the single words. Okay, come, let's do two or three word phrases, right? But you still have that motherese, but it's actually full words. At this point, if your sugar understands 900 words, then you should be using sentences and you might still be changing your pitch a little bit, but you're using more words. There's a difference, pay attention. You, you, you'll see, you'll see. So let's move into expressive language. Again, that's our vocabulary, the words that come out of our mouth. Again, there's no other time where your sugar is going to do as much as they're doing during this time. So guess what? The words are still going boom. They're still learning like crazy five to seven new words every week, no exceptions. It's always good to have more, but five to seven, that's perfect. That's our, that's our like comfortable spot, right? And so on the low end, our sugar will have around 200 words. On the high end, they'll have around 600 words. And if you have questions about that and you're not sure, email me at questions at I've got this kid.com and I can provide you a word list to where you can just circle off the words that your sugar is using. And also, you know, I haven't said this in past episodes, but I want you world changers to know that we in speech world accept part words as a word. So if they're saying ka for car and it's ka every single time, then that's the word for car. That doesn't mean that they don't know that word. That means that their speech, their articulators, the lips, the tongue, the teeth, the hard palate, soft palate, all that stuff involved with turning sounds into words hasn't quite developed enough yet to make that full approximation. That's a different conversation. But if they're saying maybe da for dog or baba for bottle or caca for cracker, then guess what? That's a word in our world. So don't be discouraged if you only hear them using part words. Just make sure that they're still increasing the number of words that they're using, right? I'm hoping that that makes sense. So don't be afraid and don't be alarmed if you hear stuttering taking place at this point because it's completely natural. Why? Because the brain is processing so much new information and they just can't keep up. They're little, back to the articulators, the brain and this cannot keep up. And so they're so excited and they, and they, and they, and they, and they are trying to get their words out. It has nothing to do with a real stutter. We actually don't start looking at stuttering, which is a speech diagnosis until after the age of four. And so at this point, we expect them to stutter. What I want you to do, world changers, because stuttering is a serious thing. And a lot of times it's psychological because of the pressure that's put on them. If you notice your sugar is stuttering at this point, just let them get their words out. Don't get anxious with them. It helps nothing if you get anxious or become as anxious as they are, or you make them repeat the same thing because that just creates undue pressure. And I believe at this point, they've got enough going on. And so we want to make it as pressure-free as possible. Another thing that we expect to see, again, um, understanding questions and answering them with a yes or no. We talked about that receptively, that they're now understanding them, but now they're actually giving us the words yes or no. They understand the difference now. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail because I feel like I did that with receptive language. But again, they should understand it and they should also be responding appropriately to it. We also expect at this time for our sugars to be using plurals and prepositions. Huge. This is like what sets them apart from that 24 to 30 month age range. 
And we're going to expect to hear like she's playing. He's crying. Go into the house. It's under stuff like that. They're going to start becoming way more complex and descriptive in the things that they're saying to you. Now they can describe things to you. Where's your teddy bear? It under the it's under table, under table, you know, and they look all frantic and you're like, it's okay, baby. We can, we can get it. Like, calm down. I can help you through that. But they're able to now advocate in a different way instead of like pointing or crying or whining. They can tell you exactly where things are. And so like using in and on and under and around, those are really important for our sugars to know as well as plurals because it gives them the difference between I, me, you, we, she, he. It helps them identify other people and to, again, see things outside of themselves, which will fall into the pragmatic piece. Because again, a lot of stuff is going on during this time, which is why your brain usually needs night, night, nap, because you're trying to keep up with them and they're trying to keep up with themselves. And it's all exciting because it's all new. And so the other thing we expect for them to be able to do during this time is use verb forms. So we talked about them understanding at least five words that were action words receptively, we expect them to now be talking about these types of things. We are playing, she eating, what's your baby doing? Baby seeping, where's doggy? Doggy crying, where's cat? Cat running, you know, and they can talk about these things. They can speak to these things now because again, they've been taking it all in and they're putting it into use. And now remember, they understand some WH questions. So when you ask them a specific question, guess what? They can give you an answer directly related to that, which again is why that receptive and that expressive piece go hand in hand. Because remember, if they're attending and they're focusing and they're paying attention to the things that you're saying to them, then they in return can turn around and use it to communicate with you what you're asking of them and different thoughts and ideas and things that are going on in their environment and things that are beyond their environment. So this is really, really cool. Like this is a big deal right now. And another thing we expect for them to do is state their gender, their name, sometimes their last names, not so much anymore, but definitely stating the gender if they're a boy or a girl, and if they are, uh, what their name is. Sometimes, again, their last name. And they are usually really excited. Ah, boy, I'm not a girl. And you see like little boys getting mad and little girl, ah, girl, I'm not a boy. Like they, they understand like their gender identity at this point. They understand the differences between mommy is a girl and daddy is a boy. Like it makes sense to them in their environment. Like they can now discern the differences between the two and they can tell you who they are. What's your name? My name is, my name is, and it's like that little, <laughs> that, that like firm, assertive, like I am, because it's that I statement, it's their identity and it matters to them. And we also expect for them to express their physical state. Very rarely is it going to be, I'm sleepy. Again, the world around them is so, it's so cool and it's so new and there's so much to learn and there's so much to take in and there's so much to comment on. So they're, they're not really going to want to tell you about night night, but they are going to tell you if they're hungry. They're going to tell you if they don't like something. I'm hungry. I'm, I'm tired of this activity. I'm mad. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. Like they're going to start expressing their physical states. You might even also start hearing, 
I, I, I got to pee. I got to, I got to do something like they're, they're having that awareness of their person, not only as far as who they are, but biologically what's going on with their body. My belly hurts. I got an owie, owie hurts. Something along those lines, they can communicate that stuff to you now as best as they can to let you know how it is that they're feeling because they expect you to fix it. Because guess what? You're amazing. You've been the fixer all along, right? And the last thing that we expect these sugars to do is to now count to three. And you might even see them doing like one, two, three. They might start even counting like actual objects, much different than when they're, um, you know, maybe between 18 and 24 months and just saying one, two, three, but it doesn't really mean anything. Like they actually might be touching the item and saying like, this is one, one represents one unit. Two represents two units. Three represents three units. Again, that's a big concept for them to wrap their mind around. And they're able now to communicate to you that they understand the difference between one, two, three, and something happens versus like one represents one thing, two represents two things, and three, again, represents three things together. So it's really cool to watch that take place because it's not the same as them just kind of spitting out rote information. Um, that they overhear from you, which is good during the time that they're supposed to be mastering it. But now we want them again to take that extra step and start identifying numbers in a different way. Finally, in the past, I said that, you know, how much we understand, it doesn't necessarily matter. Um, not for 24 months or younger, but now guess what? It matters. Why does it matter? Oof. If I have one word and I'm using that one word, let's say it's, I love this example, Gaflurgan. I'm using Gaflurgan, but maybe it doesn't come out as Gaflurgan. And you know what Gaflurgan is and I know what Gaflurgan is, but maybe it's coming out Fleur. Then hmm. the next word is maybe cat. But instead of saying cat, I'm saying cat, Fleur cat. Fleur cat. You see where I'm going with this? Fleur cat. And then if we add another word, instead of saying in, I'm saying eh. Eh. Fleur cat. Fleur cat. Will you understand what I'm saying? Instead of me saying gefleurgen cat in, fleur cat. Fleur cat. And then you had that pitch to it. Fleur cat in. Fleur cat in. Oh, I can't understand you. I have no clue what you're talking about. And guess what you're going to be mad. Your sugar's going to be mad. Everybody's going to be mad because we want to understand 75 to 90% of what they're saying. But if we don't understand one word, then it's going to be really hard to understand two words. And it's going to be even worse when it's time to understand multiple words. Because if we're only getting part words or something that's completely unrelated, then a few things will happen. The frustration level will go up in the house or I'll get the phone call that my baby's not talking. Um, they are talking. It's just you're not understanding what they're saying because there's something going on with the speech intelligibility different than language. Speech is the. Let's see if you've been listening. Remember the sounds that come out of your mouth because of your articulators, your lips, your tongue, your teeth, your heart palate, your soft palate. 
the things that we put together to produce sounds, the sounds make words, words make language. But if you cannot understand that stuff, oh, oof, smoke in the city, y'all. <laughs> smoke in the city. And so we do expect our sugars at this point to be 75 to 90% intelligible so you can understand what they're saying. Because every time you understand what they're saying, it gives them that affirmation that they can try again and try again and try again. And what happens sometimes, and it makes me sad, but it's fixable, is that at some point, if the sugar is not understood, then they stop trying. So many times of them trying and they keep trying to use this word and we're looking for the word to be a full whole word. As the adult, we're looking for cat to be cat every time, but sometimes it doesn't come out like that. And so we have to be extremely mindful and paying attention, tuning into how they're using language and what language they're using. And the only way we could do that is within the context that they're using it. So we have to be extremely mindful about how our sugars are using language if we're paying attention to it and if we're understanding what they're saying and not asking them what a million times. If this is something that you feel like, hey, Sharina, I need more support around, email me, Sharina, excuse me, email me questions at I've got this kid.com because this is crucial. And I've seen it take place and children become extremely discouraged because they feel like the adults don't want to listen or don't understand them. And this has an effect on relationship. And think about it like this. If you went to your mom's house as an adult and you started talking to her and she looks at you and says, I don't understand you. Okay. You try it again. And she gets louder. I don't understand you. Say it again. Try again. She gets louder. I don't understand you. Say it again. And you're like, I've, I've said it as me. I've exhausted everything within me to say what I, I could say. I said it the way I know how to say it. You're not understanding me. Clearly there's a disconnect. What are you going to do? Stop talking. And that's what happens with them is that they sometimes just stop talking or they just figure out different ways to communicate because sugars are still either using their words or their bodies. And if you're not understanding those words, then honey, woo, tantrum city, because they're frustrated all the time. And then it looks like they're behavioral and they're not necessarily behavioral. They're just mad and frustrated because they know that they've been trying to talk, but you haven't been able to understand and it's not your fault and it's not their fault. It's just a little bit of a disconnect and you need a third party to come in and help you guys out. But during this time too, we also see behaviors increase. If our sugar is not using their verbal language, then behaviors might start to ensue. And then your child might end up being mislabeled as a bad kid or a problem kid when they're honestly just a misunderstood kid and they need some support. So remember, again, this is something that you have to pay attention to as a world changer, as a parent, as an advocate for your child and knowing and understanding your child, because I want you to be tooled up so that when your sugar goes out into this world, you can speak intelligently about what it is they're able to do and in the areas that they genuinely need support rather than misdiagnosing them or misinterpreting their actions. And again, if you need support around that, get support. And even if it's not from me, talk to your pediatrician, reach out to a local speech and language pathologist. They will provide consultations for you. 
Um, you can go on asha.org, the website, and look at milestones. Like there's all kinds of information out there that is available to you to make sure that you are staying in control and not even just in control to manipulate the situation to go your way, but in control as in you know what's going on and you know how to steer the boat. Because remember, world changers, our goal is to get our sugars to their purpose and whatever it is that they're supposed to accomplish in their life. But if you're not understanding them at home, imagine what it is like for them going out into the world around them. So we want to make sure to be that, that safe space and just be that one who always has their back. That's my little off topic. I told y'all I was feisty. I told y'all I was feeling it today. That so, hey, this is it's what it is today, y'all. All right. <laughs> and finally, we're gonna look at the pragmatic language, the social language, and that again puts everything together. This is our glue, right? We're taking the receptive language, understanding of language, the expressive language, our vocabulary and words, and we're putting that together. Boom, and we're using it for the world around us. And so during this time. We should see our sugars enjoying talking to other kids. They're still doing the side-by-side -side parallel play situation, but they're enjoying talking to each other. You might see them show up and get excited and talk to each other about the toy or talk to each other what you're doing. And no, the conversation isn't great at this point. It's have you ever really listened to like two and a half year old, three year old conversation? It's not great, but it's very cute and it's very endearing and they're very real and they're very honest. Like they're trying to relate to the world around them. They're practicing. And so let them practice. It's a good thing. And even right now, you can do a Zoom or a house party and let the sugars uh, communicate with their friends and, and get the hellos out and how you doings out and get that practice in. It's nothing like them being able to practice on other peers around them. Another thing that's huge, and I think I kind of like mentioned this earlier with the expressive language piece when we're, we were talking about pronouns like the I, the me. We also see some self-actualization taking place. That's that's what the pronouns are, right? Like I, I am my own person. This is me. This is my person. But I also recognize you and the world around me. And so that self-actualization transfers also to when they see themselves in the mirror. It's me. Who's that? It's Donnie. It's Donna. It's whoever it is, right? And so we expect our sugars to have like that identity to the where they can like see themselves, identify themselves that I am separate from you. You are your own person. I am my own person. I am excited for who you are, but I am more excited about who I am because I am learning all kinds of cool stuff around the world, around about the world around me. We also expect them to follow directions based on their daily routine. Now, if you've watched any of my videos, especially videos with my, me and my kids, <laughs> I am a stickler for uh, charts and routines and having things organized. Do they follow them? No, poorly, but <laughs> do I have them? Yes, because usually when they get fed up with themselves, like if they get fed up with their room or they get fed up with how their uh, desk looks in the homeschool area, then they go back to it. Or if they want to like mentally organize what they're supposed to do with their day and with their time. I even notice now my daughter who's 11, she'll start writing down the stuff that she knows that she needs to do. She she creates her own task list. It, it's like rubbing off on her. She never follows mine, but she does great with her own. <laughs> I love it. But we'll see our sugars during this time follow some kind of routine. Now at three, did she follow routine? She did. She was a rock star with that too, especially because she was really motivated to follow like the routine. Okay, we get up, let's get our clothes off. 
Let's get our clothes on. Let's brush our teeth, wash our face. Let's get ready for the day. Uh, let's go downstairs and eat. Like they're able to follow those types of routines. Now, if you want to give them a routine, like a visual schedule to help them get along and build up that skill so they can manage themselves, I'm all for it. Yay, go for it. And you could be extremely mindful about how you do this. You don't have to always write words down because we know at this age, it's very rare. I only know a few kiddos who were able to read at this age and like actually really like legit read. But you can use pictures and you can use pictures of their everyday routine. So if it is brush your teeth, then you can take a picture of them on your smartphone or whatever you have around of them brushing their teeth. And you could take a picture of them taking off their pajamas and putting on clothes and make sure, you know, nowadays, make sure it's appropriate. Like maybe you have a picture of their pajamas and maybe you have a picture of their clothes, something that makes sense to their environment. That's easy for them to follow for breakfast time. You could have a picture of their um, favorite cereal or their favorite fruit or their favorite, whatever it is that you make in the morning to help them get along during the day. Because guess what? They can follow this stuff now. Remember, they could follow directions now and they could follow some pretty complex directions. And guess what? Routines are unrelated directives, unrelated commands. It, it translates over into every area of their lives. And so if you're able to give them this information and they're able to follow through with it, not only are you making sure that they're able to keep up with complex commands, but they're also able to learn how to manage themselves and get through the day. So whereas they get older and older and older, you're teaching them how to manage their time appropriately, or at least give them the free will <laughs> to follow through with the things that they need to take care of to get through the day. We also expect them to communicate a wide range of emotions. And this is positive emotions and negative emotions. And in layman's term, how do you feel? And at this age, they are very excited and very motivated to tell you how they feel, if they like something, if they don't like something. And you might see them in the car, nah, doing one of those numbers on you. It always, it always ends up with the no. I know y'all, that's why you're tired right now. And you're like, this baby, this baby, but it's, it's what they're supposed to be doing because they, again, need to learn how to advocate for themselves because pretty soon they go off to school or they go off to zoom school or wherever we're going in the next few years, but they still need to be able to advocate for themselves and express what it is they like, what they don't like. They're going to practice on you because then they're going to go and practice on their friends. They're going to practice on their siblings. They're going to practice on each other. Now you as the parent, now look, parent, you have different, different, I don't know, green lights than other people. And so I want you, don't get jaded. I'm trying to figure out the nicest way to say this. Don't get jaded in their emotions of, especially if they're giving you like that crazy, like frantic body. No, because I also need from you during this time to make sure that your yeses are yeses and your no's are no's, and that they're respecting you as the authority to make that decision for them and, and have your limits and your boundaries on what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. My children tell me how they feel all the time and they have a right to have those feelings, but they all they also don't have a right to act on those feelings. And I don't always 
have to give them the green light to do whatever it is they want because they feel some type of way or else we won't be able to get through anything, especially because I homeschool. Like if they don't feel like doing English and I'm like, well, okay, no, you don't have to do English. Well, that okay, like maybe you can do your independent English later. But as far as my time is concerned, like we're going to have to do it when I say we're going to do it. And so I'm saying all that to say in a nice way, allow them to express themselves, but find that sweet spot of boundaries. Where is it that I'm okay with being flexible? Where is it where I'm not okay being flexible? And make sure that that applies to the parents in the house um, and, and that you guys are on one accord when you guys are acknowledging what those boundaries are and acknowledging their feelings because are their feelings valid? Absolutely. Like they have a right to have feelings and I want you to make sure you're validating those feelings. But I also want you to make sure that you're drawing a line in the sand and being able to be like, baby, I understand where you're coming from. But that's where relationship comes into play. But if we're always giving in to feelings and emotions, then we will never be able to steer and guide our sugars where they want to be and to give them the feedback and the the um, the feedback. We'll go with the feedback that they need in order to get through to where they need to go. And so just make sure that you're mindful about that and comfortable with that process because I honestly have some families who are on one end or on the other, like emotions do matter and they're taken into account for everything, but it also gets in the way of life. And then I have some on the other hand who could care less about the emotions and acknowledge nothing, but it leaves the sugar living, leave feeling invalidated. And so we don't want to do that. Like we don't want to invalidate our child, but at the same time, we don't want to give them too much responsibility to navigate for themselves when we need to still be steering that ship. I'm going to get off of that tangent. Uh, we expect our sugars during this time to imitate others and change their behaviors based on others. This is where we see the flexibility. Now, the last stages pragmatically, we didn't see a lot of flexibility because remember, it's the I and me. But at this point, they're going to start being flexible, especially if it's motivating enough and they want to be a part of your world. And that's what really sets them apart from the other ages, because now that flexibility, um, it's balanced between relationship, right? I want to spend this time with you. And so I'm going to be willing to be flexible with the things that I love or the things that I like in order to have that time and that space with you. If you notice your sugar is not being super flexible about anything and it's either always their way or the highway, let's try a few little tweaks around that. A, ask yourself, are you always controlling the play the interaction. This will this will definitely be a reason that our sugars decide not to be flexible if they feel like they're always being controlled. Do you feel like you're not controlling the play or the situation, but your sugar is what I like to hear? I, I like to hear parents say, my baby is stubborn. I hear a lot of my baby's stubborn. They're not flexible. They won't do the things that I want them to do. It seems like everything's a fight, like the things that shouldn't even be a fight, they're a fight. 
And I'm tired of fighting from the time this baby wakes up to the time they go to bed. I'm fighting to get their clothes off. I'm fighting to brush their teeth. I'm fighting to feed them. They like this food one day. They don't like it the next day. I'm fighting to get them to play with me. I'm fighting to get them to share with friends. I'm fighting with, oh my gosh, they're not flexible. They only want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. They're not really seeking me out. They're not really seeking other people out. They're just kind of in their own world doing their own thing. Reach out to your doctor immediately and let them know what's going on. If your doctor says, wait and see, get a second opinion. If that doctor says, wait and see, get a third opinion. If you're still not getting where you need to go and you have the means, go ahead and reach out to a speech and language pathologist who specializes in early intervention or with kids, a pediatric speech and language pathologist and ask them to check things out because we wanna make sure again, Remember the theme during this time has been our sugars have been paying attention to so much and focusing on the world around them and learning about the world around them. But if we see our sugars are kind of gravitating to their own thing and we're fighting so much to become a part of their world and maybe their language is growing, but I'm still fighting to get them through the day, then we wanna get some help around that and tool you up. So go ahead and reach out to somebody. Again, I'm always a resource here for you. That's why we're here, right? And you can always email me at questions at I've got this and I can help you along the way and just give you some insight or maybe even hook you up with a professional in your environment or in your environment, Lord, in your area. <laughs> and finally, um, we expect our sugars to express enthusiasm for work or for play. You're going to love me for this. You're going to love me for this. Why? They're enthusiastic, uh, enthusiastic about work. Work? Yeah, yeah. Which means, guess what? They can do some work around the house. And they're taking pride in it. Uh, uh, that's why you love me for this. So is it appropriate to start giving them some things to do? I would. I sure would. Stuff that they understand that's within their wheelhouse. If you're excited about work, then you're probably excited about cleaning up. Let's clean up our toys together. If you're excited about that, let's get excited about playing together. Let's ex be excited about these things. So now you can start like sneaking in a little bit of responsibility. Next week's episode, I'm going to go into detail for the 36 to 42 month age range for that. But you can start right now just, you know, sneaking in a few things, have little sugar, put the fruit away or have little sugar, do a few things that's within their wheelhouse. You guys, that wraps it up for me today. I had a blast talking with you guys, sharing this information. Remember, the biggest thing about this age range, this 30 to 36 month age range, is that our sugars have now taken all this new information in and they're applying it. And not only are they applying it, but these concepts and these ideas and these verbs and these, these things that they've been taking in and learning, they're using it with you. It's all coming together now and they're showing you now. They should be showing you some pretty good stuff. You should see consistent progress going on. And if you're not, and you have any questions and you know how I feel, if it doesn't look right, feel right, smell right, act right, think right, something's not right, don't sit on it. Just reach out to somebody, find out, ask questions. Don't ever feel afraid to ask a question. There's no such thing as a silly question, only an unanswered question. And that's no good. That's not helping anybody. It might not even just be for you. It might be for other people around you. You do not know who you are impacting, who are you or who you are helping by asking questions. We are better together, you guys. So until next week, you guys, take care.